I, I really hope you have enjoyed your study in James. Um, by enjoyed, I mean getting beat up each week by James, because sometimes that's what it feels like. Um, you think, man, it's got to get easier this next week. And then the next week comes and you're like, oh, come on, James, let us have a little break for once. And uh, the, the lessons on the tongue, I've been thinking about that ever since last last Sunday and the week before. And boy, how am I using my tongue? And uh, so this is excellent. But we are going to be looking in verse 13 of chapter 3. You can follow along as I begin. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we open your word this morning, I ask that you would help in our understanding of this. Lord, I, I need your guidance for this passage Uh, Please guide my words that they might be pleasing to you. Lord, I thank you for this passage and that you desire to use it in our lives to uh, help shape us, to help form us, to be more like you. Lord, we thank you for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we come to this passage in James 3. And um, really what it is, is two different kinds of wisdom that we see in life. But what it what it is, it's very practical wisdom. It's wisdom for our daily living. And in starting, I wanted to kind of just briefly remind you of some of the topics that James has touched on in our study together. In James 1, he, he reminded us that as we're going through trials, that we are to endure them and to do it with great rejoicing. And he talks about trials and starts with trials because it is something that every one of us are going to face. Our trials may not be the same in how hard of a trial they are, but in this life, we all will face trials. At the end of James 1, he talks about true Christianity and about it should show forth in our speech or in holding our tongue. It should show forth in our, in our care for those in need. It should show itself... Um, in our refusal to conform to worldliness. Then he continues on in James 2, he talks about the sin of partiality in the church and how we are to show genuine love. And in James, the end of James 2, talks about faith without works is dead and how that our faith should be one that is evidenced by our works, not that we are saved by works, but that through our good works, that they might see the faith that is present within our heart. So our faith is one which obeys that we were just singing about, obedience. And then in the first part um, of James 3, he talks about uh, the dangers to teachers, that you will face a stricter judgment, and then talks about the power of the tongue, which we looked at last week. And now we come to this passage in James just finishes talking about the power of the tongue 
And what does he say? Who is wise and understanding among you? I kind of wonder if he like paused, you know, like as he was writing this letter to them, you know, dot, 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 waiting to see if anybody had learned anything from what he was just talking about with the tongue, whether somebody was going to, you know, raise their hand, whether somebody was going to say, well, I, I feel like I'm pretty wise. And he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So throughout James, uh, what we have seen is he is saying that as a follower of Christ, our lives should be reflecting something. In our speech, our speech should look a certain way. If we claim to love God, but we are partial, then we need to examine our life. If we say we have faith, but there's nothing to show for it, we need to examine our faith. And here he says, if you claim to be wise, it should manifest itself in certain areas. So just like all the other topics he has talked on, he says that even our wisdom is one that should work. It is one that should work. Um, wisdom is should be tied together with humility is what he first points out to us. Let him show by his good conduct or that his works are done in the meekness or in the humility of wisdom. And this um, quote on humility has been one that I've often remembered and has been very helpful for me. It is humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that, that has been really helpful for me because sometimes as people, we think we're being humble because, oh, poor me, I'm so bad. You know, I can't do anything right. Well, even in that, we're being proud because we're still focusing on ourselves. True humility is thinking of yourself less. So I'm thinking of others. I'm putting them first. So he said, wisdom is one that should manifest itself in humility. But then he goes on and gives us two different sides of wisdom. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Two sides of wisdom. One, he gives us examples what it will look like and the things it will bring about in your life. Earthly wisdom. And one, he gives us another example of what godly wisdom will look like. And so first off, we're going to look at worldly wisdom or earthly wisdom. And he says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. First off, he says, worldly wisdom is rooted in bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And he, he mentions this two different times in verse 14 and in verse 16. And we, we might look and say, well, okay, I know people who are, you know, I mean, they're always jealous of what other people have. They're always seeking their own, but that's, that's not me. But when somebody else is praised for doing something, are you jealous of that? Do you say, boy, I wish I would finally get the recognition that I deserve. Even sometimes as um, being a, a teacher in the church, uh, the Thanksgiving service is coming up. And it's a time of giving thanks, like I mentioned. And many, many times uh, kids will, you know, want to give a, a 
praise, a testimony, and they'll say, oh, I'm so thankful for uh, my teacher, whoever it might be. You know, they do such a good job and they really care for us. And as a teacher, have you ever sat there and thought, huh, I wonder if any of the kids in my class are going to say, I'm so thankful for me. See, right there is selfish ambition and jealousy. Or, man, why does God seem to bless that person? I, man, in in terms of where you are spiritually, I feel like I'm way ahead of them. Why does God seem to be pouring out his blessing on them? Everything seems to go right for them. Right there is worldly or earthly wisdom. It is one that is consumed with self, and it is not one that rejoices when other people rejoice. It is full of selfishness and pride. But he continues on, and he says, worldly wisdom is boastful, or it is arrogant. And what he really means here is he is saying, stop being arrogant. Stop being boastful. Stop priding in yourself. Stop uh, telling everybody how great you are. Stop telling the world how great you are. In uh, 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1, Paul says that knowledge puffs up. That knowledge puffs up. Now, we can say, well, I'm just, I'm just sharing with everybody some of my vast knowledge, and I'm just blessing them. I'm not, I'm not bragging. It's not bragging if it's true. Have you ever heard that? It's not bragging if it's true. So I'm not bragging. I'm just sharing with them what, what I know. And he says, stop being so arrogant. That is, that is worldly wisdom is very boastful. You know what? As believers... We can even boast in our knowledge of God and his word. Now, I haven't been, we're uh, going through James with the teens on Wednesday night, and so I haven't been in any of the, the adult classes. But sometimes even sitting in those, I, I know how they work as people. Sometimes sitting in those, we come and I'm going to impart to everyone my vast spiritual knowledge of this, you know, a topic comes up. Oh, let me enlighten everybody here in this class. And what that really is, is, is worldly arrogance manifesting itself even in our Christian walk. So we're boasting about something, our own, our own knowledge or spiritual well-being. And, and James says, this does nothing but cause conflict. Maybe you've been in a class like that and you've seen the conflict that it's caused where where somebody is always right no matter what they say. Or maybe you don't even say anything, but you you think if people disagree with you, well, that person just, they don't know. Uh, they should know better than that. I mean, I know that that's not the right answer. And maybe you've learned enough from the James chapter 3 not to open your mouth but you're still thinking in your mind, I can't believe that person would say something like that. And right there is that boastful or that arrogance manifesting itself. But he goes on and he says, worldly wisdom also demonstrates itself and it lies against the truth. So you may be saying the right thing. You may be doing it um, with arrogance and self-seeking though. 
And James says that, in essence, that you are lying against the very truth that you are claiming to be following. Now, that is a bold statement. And throughout this, I've seen over and over where James does not hold back anything in challenging us. He's saying, okay, you say you are a follower of Christ. Well, let's see it. Where is it manifest? And that if we are, even in our Christian life, full of arrogance, we are lying against the truth. But he goes on and mentions two more things. He says that worldly wisdom is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And what, what he really is doing here is showing us a progression that worldly wisdom or earthly wisdom is. Earthly meaning natural, not eternal. So he's saying wisdom from here is natural. It's not eternal. It is focused on this life, not focused on anything spiritual. I see that all around me in the world, and I see that present within me at times. But he goes and he says it's also sensual. It's another reference to natural, but it's what our fallen man naturally goes to. So he's saying it doesn't focus on the eternal. It's what my natural flesh goes to. But then he says it's also demonic coming from or stemming from the devil. So worldly wisdom, and it's not really wisdom, but worldly wisdom is earthly. It is not for the eternal. It is focused on the natural and what comes naturally to mankind, and it's demonic. But then he says worldly wisdom is confusing and produces evil. It is confusing and produces evil. For where envying and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Do you see a lot of worldly wisdom in the world today? Talk about confusion and producing evil. It's, it's everywhere. And sometimes even honored as, oh man, this person is so wise. But it, it does nothing but produce evil. In 1 Corinthians 14.33, we are reminded that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So when we see confusion and evil being produced, it's a very clear sign that this wisdom is not from above, but from here. But then he goes on and James gets into the wisdom that we should all be looking at and should be seeing signs of it in our lives. And he says, first of all, the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It is untainted, meaning it is, it is completely pure in every way. And uh, we've heard the illustration used before that when you ask for a glass of water, when you ask for a drink, you do not want water that is tainted by anything you know if you get it and i've had some uh sheraton's finest come out of the tap before that looks kind of like rust anybody ever had that happen and you go whoa i am not drinking that i've never once said as it comes out rust color yeah i'm sure it's fine i've never once said that why because i want i want it to be clean i want it to be as pure as possible 
You know, we even have a water filter at our house because we want to try to get it as clean as possible. And godly wisdom is one that is untainted, um, being free from pride and selfishness. So in these previous verses that we've just looked at, it's all about self. It's all about pride. But godly wisdom is one that is free from from pride. Godly wisdom first purifies our heart. And that happens at salvation. If there's never been a time where we have called out to God and repented and turned to him and received his free gift of salvation, there will be no purity of heart. We know that we are not saved by works. It's by faith in what God has done. And so to have godly wisdom, it starts at salvation. But that is the starting point, and it should continue on from there. And he says it is first pure. But then he says it is also peaceable. Wisdom from above is pure. There is, there is a peace, and it's good that the... Uh, it starts with purity, and then it leads to peacefulness. And in Psalm 34 and verse 14, it says, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So you get the idea that peace does not just come. And we looked in our study how we are to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. And so you see how peace is something that must be pursued. First of all, we know that because of salvation, we have peace with God, but now we are working on the peace with mankind. Do you have a hard time keeping the peace sometimes? Do you have trouble keeping the peace maybe within the family where you're like, oh my goodness, why is everybody just out to kill each other today? You can thank time change for that. That's the excuse we're using. If you want to use it, go ahead. I don't know what this week will happen. Um, but be a peacemaker. And uh, we see that, that blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 9, that we must pursue it. If your life is always causing strife with your words and your life, you do not have godly wisdom. If everywhere you go, it's causing strife, you can be certain that you do not have godly wisdom. And don't try to make excuses and say, well, those people just don't know how to handle it. No, James says we ought to be peacemakers. And with that, he continues on and he says we ought to be gentle. In Matthew 11 and verse 29, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. This gentleness or meekness that Jesus is talking about and James is talking about is not the kind that we often think of somebody that is gentle of someone just being run over all the time. Of kind of like the the Charlie Brown or the uh, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh of, you know, poor me, nothing ever goes right. People always run over, you know, no, no spine. But what it really means is it means a strength that is under control. And it was a reference to, uh, to the power of, of a horse that has been harnessed uh, 
and now is useful. That power before could be destructive, but now it has great use. And so it's a strength or a power that is under control and as a Christian under the control of God. So gentleness or meekness is not a everybody's going to run me over. I don't care what happens. You know, poor me. No, it is a strength that is under control. Somebody that keeps a cool head even when the situation might be going out of control. Um, so that is what James says. Godly wisdom is gentle. But he also says it's willing to yield. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. James talked about in James 1. Quick or willing to yield. Wisdom knows when something is important and when, because I'm not filled with pride, I can surrender. And you know what? I was wrong. This person is right and they are willing to yield. They know when to speak and when to keep their mouth closed. But a person with godly wisdom is willing to yield. Now, that does not mean that they yield to everything that comes along, but they are willing to yield. They know when, when to do it and when not to. And he says godly wisdom is full of mercy. What he means here is actively showing compassion on others. So this isn't, well, I don't, I don't see anything, any needs around me. But it's actively looking for opportunities to show mercy, looking for needs in others to be met. So not, well, if God shows me something, then maybe I'll do it. No, it's a purposeful searching for uh, opportunities to show mercy. And James reminds again that our faith is one that works so that our faith should be evidenced by our works We all have been shown mercy by God, and instead of abusing that, we are to then extend that same mercy to others. So he says the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. And this does refer back to what he had talked about in the church of showing partiality or favoritism of not taking sides. But it also means an unwavering. Godly wisdom in a person's life makes them consistent and dependable. So as, as you're following God, am I consistent and dependable? Or in one week I'm, oh man, I'm on the mountaintop, and then the next week I'm clear down here. Am I consistent? Now that does not mean that you don't go through valleys in your life or struggles, but Are you consistent? Are you unwavering? If we were to ask your friends and family and those that know you well, is this person consistent or every day do you kind of wonder where that they are? Like, I don't know what kind of mood this person is in. You know, can I be around you today or should I stand back? James says godly wisdom is one that is unwavering. After we've already talked about willing to yield, He says it is unwavering, not hot one day and cold the other, but steady and reliable. And then he he closes this and he says, without partiality and without hypocrisy. If you've talked to anyone outside the church and 
were talking about God to them, were talking about church to them. Maybe it wasn't even about a specific church, but church in general. One of the things you will often hear is, there's way too many hypocrites in the church. Ever heard that? I've heard it multiple times. And it's true. There, there is a lot of, I mean, we're in the church, and many times we're hypocrites, but James says that godly wisdom is without hypocrisy. So that means being consistent, being steady, being the same, not different at church than you are at home. It means being a person of integrity. So being consistent without hypocrisy. Sadly, because of many Christians living hypocritical life, the church has suffered because of it. But James says, if you want wisdom that is from above, that will help guide you, it is one that is consistent in your daily living. So the wisdom from God is one that is to be practiced daily, that is put into our daily lives. So just quickly, how to have godly wisdom. First of all, you cannot have godly wisdom unless you are born again. Unless you know Christ as your Savior, you cannot have godly wisdom um, because it all comes from him. Now, there may be parts that uh, the world tries to copy in their wisdom, but to have true purity of heart, gentleness, being a peacemaker, that only comes from being born again. Then the second thing is James 1 and verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Sometimes we look at wisdom as God just dumping dumping it on us. Here, ask God for wisdom and he will dump it on us. But here we see what godly wisdom looks like. So purity of heart. When we ask God for wisdom, are there things in my life that I need to confess, that I need to make right with him? Okay, I'm asking God for wisdom. Where in my life do I need to be a better peacemaker? So when we ask God for wisdom, it's sometimes we think, God's just going to, you know, tap us on the head and then we'll be this wise person. But godly wisdom is is not just knowledge. As you can see, it's very practical. So ask God for wisdom and then be prepared when he gives you the steps to take to to get godly wisdom. But then the last thing, how to have godly wisdom. Seek God in his word. We have wisdom by knowing God. We, we don't get these things. And, and the point of, of this here in James is not that we would say, okay, let me take this checklist, this seven, these seven things. How am I doing in this? Okay, I need to work on this. No, I need to work on this. No, I need to work on this. The point of, the, of this godly wisdom and going through these things are to reveal how much we are in need of God. So it's not... You need to work on being a better peacemaker, although that's true. Apart from God, you can't do it, though. So it should make us say, God, I need you. I need your help this week. I am not full of mercy. I'm quick to judge others. I'm, you know, quick to drop the hammer on somebody. I'm not full of mercy, and I need you. And so it should cause us to seek him in his word. So if you were to look at your life, Is it one filled with strife, with 
bitterness, with jealousy? Does your life demonstrate godly wisdom? Those seven things, are those characterized by your life? If not, you need to cry out to God today. First of all, have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Today's the day to do that. Don't put it off till even this afternoon. Do it today and then know that God is waiting for us to seek him in this. In his word, that we might know him, that we might have wisdom. Remember how, how he responded when uh, Solomon asked for wisdom. He, he was overjoyed that he would ask for something like that instead of riches or power or this. So God says, ask and it shall be given. So ask him for wisdom and then be prepared to follow the steps that he lays out for you and seek him in his word. Let's pray. Lord, throughout this study in James and even this morning, um, I'm reminded over and over again how important, how necessary a consistent walk with you is. Lord, that you have given us your word and it is packed full of wisdom and practical steps for us. Not just to get our lives straightened out, but that we might know you. And truly, your word tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, I know there are areas in all of our lives that we are not operating from godly wisdom. And that comes from not not knowing you fully. Lord, we ask that you would help us today that. As James 1 tells that, ask God and you will give it liberally or generously to all man. Thank you that you you have given us that promise. And thank you that you've given us your word. May we be obedient followers of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.